What's up, guys? Before we jump into the show, I want to give a shout-out to Bojo's, home of the original Colorado Mountain Pie. And right now, if you go into Bojo's and you mention DNVR, you're going to get a chance to try the honey cheese bread, which I can tell you is absolutely out of this world. So go check out Bojo's today. Make sure you tell them DNVR sent you. Get yourself a Colorado Mountain Pie and get yourself some honey cheese bread. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use the code DNVR20 when you get your Strava Craft Coffee. Get yourself some CBD-infused Java. It's good stuff. It's rich. It's tasty. Might help you with aches and pains. Definitely going to help you get out of bed in the morning. It's really, really good stuff. Ryan Konigsberg here, joined today by just Andrew Mason. Uh, Zach is out today dealing with some family stuff, so definitely thinking of... uh, of Zach and, and his girlfriend and, and uh, their family. Um, I'm back. Welcome back, by the way. Thank you. It's good to be back. How was the weekend in Nash Vegas? It was amazing. Um, such an awesome city. It's so vibrant and uh, electric. And there's just, I don't know, it's a really cool place. Extremely clean. Um, the food was fantastic. I saw the picture of the hot chicken. Oh, man. Did it make your eyes water a little bit? No. So, oh, so you went you went for a little bit, uh, n- not the five-alarm hot chicken, basically. Well, I'll circle back to that. First okay. of all, I just have to say my thoughts are with Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As, I mean, just a few hours after we left, uh, they got hit by uh, a in a tornado that went right through downtown, which is just terrifying in the middle of the night. Um, already a, a good amount of casualties reported. Just just terrible. And like I said, it's such an electric city. It's so it, There was so much, uh, so many good vibes wherever you went. And just to think about, you know, how they could go from that to mourning today is, mm-hmm. is hard to fathom yeah. uh, after just being there yesterday. So f- first of all, uh, definitely thinking of everyone out there uh, and really appreciative of the people there because they were great hosts, got good recommendations from people on Twitter. So I, the first night we went to a place um, called Party Foul, spelled F-O-W-L. Of course. Nice pun on their part. Um, so you appreciate that, of course. That's, yes. That's right up your alley. Yes, of course. I mean, it's, it's like when I go to South Carolina, every time we drive to the beach, we pass a place that is called Boa Construction. Nice. It's my, one of my favorite things in the world. That's legit. <laughs> um, so we went there. Uh, we had heard that Hattie B's, which is the name place there, was more of like a tourist attraction than mm-hmm. the best hot chicken. So one of the suggestions was to go to Party Fowl. And I have to tell you, Mace, it was legit the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. Ooh. I got it Nashville hot. Yeah. There was one level above it called Poultry Geist. <laughs> which is another, <laughs> another solid pun. Mm-hmm. And the Nashville hot didn't quite uh, 
Didn't quite get the nose running, if you will. Yeah. So I got a little side of the poultry, guys, and just dipped it in there. It's just like a, an oil of fire. And that was <laughs> definitely hot. That definitely got me going. Incredible meal. Um, loved every every single bite. Yeah, the, the Hattie B's is good. I've never been to the, the place you went to, but uh, I want to try it. Where I've gone to in the past, a place called Prince's, Prince's. Hot Chick- Chick- Chicken Shack, but there is nothing to it. I mean, it's basically it's a takeout place in the middle of a strip mall. Well, apparently, it's completely nondescript. So we wanted to go to Prince's the next. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so then, but they've opened a new location. I yes. Think. Well, so yeah. Prince's, the original Prince's, had a car drive through it, and so they're permanently closed, and they opened a new location. Okay. That's but, a little more user friendly. Yes, but so after the Avs beat the Preds on Saturday, which was or yes on Saturday, which was an awesome experience. Uh, definitely a great hockey crowd there. They've got all sorts of chants and songs and very uh, together. We wanted some more um, hot chicken, so this time we we did go to Hattie B's because it's on Broadway, so it was closer to the stadium. Mm-hmm. The people were right, but this was after like a couple people had tweeted at me like you have to try Hattie B's before you leave. Mm-hmm. It it wasn't as good. Um, it was I got a hotter version and it was really really hot, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the the chicken wasn't nearly as tasty. So then Saturday we're just or Sunday we're just like all right well now we have to go for the Holy Trinity we have to try Prince's, mm-hmm. but it turns out Prince's is closed on Sundays. So we just went back to Party Fowl for another meal from there, and it was incredible. And there's a growing barbecue scene there as well. A lot of good places. Like I was thinking about a place I had a great meal called the Peg Leg Porker. We went there. Yep. Yep. I awesome. went there. It was awesome. Um, I had the barbecue nachos there, mm-hmm. which were just actually with they were pork. called the machos. Did you get them with pork or? Yes, pork. Oh, they're amazing. Beans, slaw, mm-hmm. everything on there. That was great. Yeah, Nashville's. As far as long weekend destinations, Nashville, it may not be at the top of the list nationwide, but it's top five. Yeah. Easily. And I'm a country fan, so the music and all that mm. stuff was really great. I mean, it is unbelievable on Broadway, which is more of the tourist you know, destination, mm-hmm. but not, not necessarily in a bad way. I didn't get like, like, I don't know, like you get vibes when you go on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Like, okay, this is 100% a tourist place. No mm-hmm. one that lives in New Orleans would ever come here unless it was, you know, a party of some sort. Right. Um, I didn't get that from Broadway in Nashville. And it is just unbelievable how much live music there is. I mean, there was one bar. They had three bars within one place, three different bands playing within the bar. And if you go in like the spring or the summer, you don't even have to go in the bar because... They open the doors and the music just kind of wafts out into the street almost. And so you're walking along and you're, hear, you're hearing you know, different groups, different singers as you're just taking a stroll through downtown Nashville. It's really one of the best aspects of the experience. Yeah, it was really cool. And the bands, most of them were really, really good. I mean, just it's so I love seeing live music in a bar. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really, really cool experience. I will definitely, definitely be going back to Nashville. Yeah, it was actually a big night for Nashville sports-wise because you had the when you went to the Avs game, mm-hmm. Nashville SC in Major League Soccer had its debut game over at Nissan Stadium where the Titans played and I think had about 55,000 people turn out for the opener. 
I was a little surprised that there were so many empty seats in the hockey arena, mm-hmm. and I realized it probably had something to do with that. Okay, yeah, that um, makes because sense. they they normally get great crowds there, um, and it was I mean, the Avs get better crowds than we saw there on Saturday night on Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. I was a little surprised by that. It's an interesting sports town, and the fact that. I mean, I'm not going to say that hockey is the number one thing there because, of course, they have the Titans and they're in the NFL and it's the South, so football does rule the roost. But hockey has found a vibrant audience there in Nashville, unexpectedly. I mean, you see it's you know not worked out in uh, some other places. Like Atlanta uh, was added about the same time as uh, Nashville. They were part of the same kind of four-team wave of expansion that came in right around the turn of the century and the Atlanta Thrashers were a miserable failure but Nashville in a much smaller market has been a tremendous success and all the like all the fans knew the different chants and the songs Mm -hmm. and that I was actually a little jealous of that we don't really have that I mean you know back in the day before the whole controversy with whatever the guy's name is you used to get the goal song for the Avs Gary Glitter Gary Glitter yeah um, and like everyone knew that, but everyone in the world knows to go, Hey, at the right time, mm-hmm. this was like, they knew the lyrics of the song and they all sang it together. And I thought it was, what re- was the song they played? Uh, it's, uh, Oh God, what's the, it's, I like it. I, I, I love it. it. I want yeah, some yeah, more yeah. of it. So, and then it breaks mm-hmm. into like a ver another, it, 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 but it's a special version for the yes, Preds, right? Right. Exactly. So it was really cool. They all knew that. Um, there was a questionable call late in the game that would have tied up the score for them. The whole place was chanting ref, you suck loud <laughs> for like a solid minute and a half. Um, they had all, you know, they do, they're all in sync after they score. They yell like you suck at the goalie. It's just, it was really cool. I, I wish uh, we could be a little more coordinated with our teams in Denver. Well, Nashville is also in terms of singing along. You mentioned all the the clubs. It's very musically oriented. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe it's something that Denver should aspire to a little bit. I think so, too. Not I... quite getting to the level of soccer in England or Germany or Italy, the... but at least having something that people can kind of sing along with. The best thing we have going in terms of Denver sports teams and being uh, united is the incomplete chant. Yeah. It's the one thing that everyone knows. It's obnoxious. Other teams hate it, which makes me love it. Uh, and it's, it is one thing that, like, no one else does, mm-hmm. which is cool. But I feel like we could have some more stuff. Like, they do the Who's Ball, Nuggets Ball thing. At the Nug- they just st- stole that from the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I think, I think we could do better. I mean, the, the Rockies have Charlie Blackman when he comes up to your love. love that, I love that. It's great. Um, Tonight. That's true. Maybe I'm not giving Even us enough credit. Even little kids know that. My, my daughter knows that. Maybe I'm not giving us enough credit. But it did feel like they had more things going on than we mm-hmm. do. All right. Let's jump in to some of the rumors floating around right now. This is like, it's not quite smokescreen season yet, I would say. But it is rumor season. There's just, every day there's another thing floating around right now. And two things that I guess are going around right now are this idea that Chris Harris, quote, met with 24 teams at the Combine. Well, we know for a fact that Chris Harris is not even in the United States, so he did not meet with anyone. Yeah, and the reporter that put it out, Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News, when he was asked about it on Twitter, he did correct himself to say it was Chris Harris Jr.'s agent that did the meeting, not Chris Harris Jr. 
Right. Chris is still out of the country. Yes, by the way. he is in Israel. Yes. Um, which great country? I've been there. Um, it's weird that this is news because agents go to the combine and they talk to everyone. So to me, this is a non-news news. And it's the uh, semi-legal tampering. Of course, we'll have legal tampering coming up here in two weeks, but. The groundwork for a lot of these negotiations actually gets laid at the combine. So, if the NFL really wants to get things in check, they've got some more uh, rules to try to change here because the conversations about players and their potential destinations were rolling fast and furious between agents and teams all throughout Indianapolis in the last twelve or nine days or so. Yeah, in the business world, they say like the best deals get done on the golf course. Mm-hmm. In the NFL world, the best deals get done at Prime 47. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or at least get started at Prime 47. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not news to me. Uh, so what Chris happens at Prime agent, 47 doesn't necessarily stay at Prime 47. Definitely not. Um, Chris Harris Jr., his agent was at the Combine and talked to a lot of people. That That's not news. What is a little bit more of news is a rumor that has been floating around in a couple different forms. Um, we kind of, I think we were the first to get the ball rolling with actual reporting with the fact that the Broncos are looking to upgrade Royce Freeman. Um, we reported that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote it in my story that kind of recapped all of the things that we learned there. If you haven't subscribed and read that, I certainly um, suggest it. So that was kind of the beginning. Then Mike Kliss comes out with a report that the Broncos are sniffing around on um, free agent running backs. Benjamin Albright comes back, says he hears it's more about draft running backs. Personally, from what I have heard, it leans more towards the draft. Um, but I don't think the Broncos are close-minded to the idea of getting a free agent running back on the cheap. I don't think they're thinking along the lines of Derrick Henry as much as they would along the lines of... If Melvin Gordon lingers. Mm. Like if he's at, if two or three days pass and he's still on the market. Derrick Henry is the top-shelf guy. He's going to get paid. But if you look, if you look say three days in a free agency and there's a Melvin Gordon on the market or there's a Carlos Hyde still on the market. Someone that you could Carlos Hyde you could potentially have for two years, seven and a half million dollars. Yeah, I think that's the sort of level the Broncos are looking at. Melvin or Derrick Henry, he's probably going to get at least what, eleven, twelve million dollars a year? At least the Broncos aren't in that discussion for running backs right now. This is this is the maybe even the third contract type of guy who is still productive, still reasonably healthy, but it's a contract that doesn't break your bank. Upgrades the position, but isn't something to where if the player doesn't pan out, it's an anvil over your head when it comes to the cap. I'm so against that, uh, like a third contract running back. I just, you know, we, we've what seen... What if you could have gotten Frank Gore on his third contract? Okay, but... Frank Gore if, is a golden goose. Right. But if you find somebody who's productive, Carlos Hyde perhaps is an interesting example of somebody who is 28 years old going into his third contract but is still a productive running back who 
if you sign him for a two-year deal, maybe with a third year that's not guaranteed in any way, shape, or form, then that could be something logical for the Broncos. I would be so much more interested in getting a running back in the fourth round and just rolling with them. Um, I do see the need for veteran influence on this offense, so I could be sold on on a guy on the cheap, like you mentioned, that has a lot of experience in the NFL. But I just think there's so much value in running backs in the draft. I think you can get really good players late in the draft and with a lot more electricity. I mean, I saw – it's a little bit different, but, like, I saw Jamal Charles, and they tried to make that work, and it just – he just like running backs when they don't have it, it's just gone. And he had a long injury history too. Right, but you know sometimes it's just it just goes, and you can be sure that you you know who's your guy, uh, the running back, wide receiver type. I'm blanking on his name. In the in the draft. Oh, Antonio Gordon. Yeah, like or Antonio Gibson. Gibson. Gibson, Gibson. Yeah, like this is a guy you can get. What third round? Probably third after he blasted the four three nine. At the combine, I I don't feel safe with him getting to the fourth now. So, but you got three third round selections, right? Makes a lot of sense. High football IQ guy, good speed, versatile, good hands. You can That's use him in any number of ways. That's what I want. I don't want to pay Carlos Hyde, you know who, and is I want way past his prime. And I want somebody who can catch the ball, right? And it, like if if Austin Eckler were unrestricted instead of restricted. You could sell me on Austin Eckler right now. Yeah. As somebody who could help that room. But again, why would you go that route when you could just get Antonio Gibson? Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the notion that a lot of coaches have that rookies you just don't know. I mean, there have been some coaches over the years who just simply refer to rookies as F-ups, basically. Until they prove otherwise. So this is But you where, don't need this guy to start. And right. that's what I love about it, the situation for the Broncos. It's the security blanket that Coaches like to have somebody who's proven that he can do it at this level. And that's the allure of the veteran. Me, I love and Look, I love Antonio Gibson. I've talked about him ad nauseum, as daily listeners can attest. If he were a third-round pick, I'd be ecstatic, and I would prefer him to any of the other options. Right now, I'm actually pretty content with the running back room if you add Gibson on day two. And then I'd re- and I put this in my story on uh, the DMVR.com about the Broncos' unrestricted free agents. He wasn't in my top five guys to re-sign, but I'd throw a one-year, $3 million contract or $2.5 million contract at Theo Riddick with a million guaranteed to bring him back and wave goodbye to Devontae Booker. That's fine with me. Yeah, here's but what, that's negligible. Here's what I think this team needs more than anything on offense, and it's speed. Just, they need not just one guy. They need to upgrade the team speed of their entire offense. Noah Fant was a nice addition in terms of, is he faster than the average person at his position? Yes. Um, Cortland Sutton is dangerous in a way that has nothing to do with speed, really. Um, no one else. You got Philip Lindsay, who's, who has a speed um, aspect to him, but... Deshaun Hamilton's not fast. Tim Patrick's not fast. Uh, none of your other backup tight ends are fast. None of your backup running backs are fast. There's such a lack of speed on this offense, and it 
makes them not scary. Okay, so let me throw a possibility at you, which is entirely draft-oriented, but takes at least one trade. Let's say one of Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb, Judy Lamb, is, or Jerry Judy, is there at 15. You take one of them, right? C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. One of those three yes. is there. Okay, yes. you take him. All right. Let's, so let's add some speed here. Pick 30 rolls around, and there's a possibility of the Broncos trading their two and one of their threes to pick 30th and get Jonathan Taylor. I don't love Wisconsin running backs. We already know this. But he's a four three nine guy. But he, he's got great film. He can catch the ball. He's a good route runner out of the backfield. He seems like the full package for sure. Um, I probably wouldn't do it. What if getting him also kept him from going to the Chiefs? That helps. Taylor to the Chiefs scares me. I've said that before. Nothing scares me more than LaVisca to the Chiefs. Although, I don't think it's going to happen in the first round anymore, unfortunately, for LaVisca. I think the goal now is top 50 for him. Yeah, he's in a scary position just in terms of his his stock. Not to turn everything into a LaVisca conversation, but we haven't had this conversation since the combine. Um but he's I, in a bad spot he, because there are so many good receivers he got, that don't have the same concerns that he does. I'm worried about who is advising him uh, because I think he, he's getting some really bad advice. You wouldn't have run. So let's rewind all the way to the end of the season. He has this core injury. Um, he also has the pubic bone injury. He's got a – I mean, he was dealing with a lot. And I don't understand with a four- to six-week injury how he didn't get surgery – directly after the season they thought it would heal on its own okay well then you had you know once you got within four to six weeks of the combine you needed to reassess again and probably once you were seven weeks out of the combine you should have got the surgery didn't get it okay whatever by the time you get up near the combine and that's still not healed i just don't understand why you would run Mm -hmm. because you're dealing with the pubic bone thing you are dealing with this core injury. And so why would you run? I know he felt like, obviously he felt like it wasn't affecting his straight line running. But why would you do anything not at 100% with with the idea in mind that you are viewed as an athletic freak? You know, like you could have lived in a world where LaVisca Chenault was going to run a 4-4-5. and now that you've run, which I don't think he ran at his highest capabilities, you could tell when he came off the line the first time that something was off. Now that you've run a four five nine, you just can't detach that number from your name. Well, it's the whole thing of better to be thought of an idiot than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yes. And while he will get some points from some teams for trying to run, I don't think those points outweigh the fact is, forty was four five nine, even though it was injured. Now, I- injury affected. Now, if it's my team, I'm the GM. I'm taking that four five nine number and I'm throwing it in the trash. I, that mean that should mean absolutely nothing. But unfortunately, it will mean something to some teams. And here's where it, it really all gets messed up for him. There's no good narrative. He either ran a four five nine. Uh, healthy 
or he's still not healthy. Now we know that he's still not healthy, and it looked like he hurt himself just running. So, you you know, we talk about the injury concerns. Well, all those just got flared up mm-hmm. even more watching him look off trying to run the 40. So it just I just feel like he got really bad advice, and now I really don't envision a scenario in which he lands in the first round. Um, and I could see him free-falling. I could see a scenario where – he just the injury stuff just is too much for teams and everyone looks at the next guy on their board and says we still really like that guy and they just keep drafting over him and this is where the fact that there it's such a deep year wide receiver is going to hurt him because there are other options who are healthy and let's say you're sitting there in the middle of the second round and you have LaVisca Chanel say well we like him but KJ Hamler doesn't have the injury concerns that's what I mean. But, and, and all of a sudden, he keeps getting pushed down and pushed down. That's why if he's Denzel a— Denzel Mims. Right. I mean, I mean Mims, might have run, Mims might have run his way into the first round, although he had momentum coming out of a solid senior bowl as well. And the other thing with a lot of these guys who ran well and tested well at the Combine, it's not like these guys are workout warriors. They've got the film to back it up, too. That's what I think is— being missed here as everybody is kind of raving about the guys running the combine, but you see people talking about Henry Ruggs saying, oh, well, uh, he has the speed, but not a lot of those guys with those kind of numbers have succeeded in the NFL. Well, just look at the film. The film there shows a tremendous player, and with almost all of these guys who tested well, they've got the film to back it up. This isn't Mike Mamula 2.0. Or even John Ross, and right. I've seen people on Twitter talk, you know, comparing Henry Ruggs and John Ross, which is just... Extremely short-sighted. I saw on Twitter somebody suggesting that John Ross was a better route runner in college than Henry Ruggs, and I thought, you didn't even watch either of those guys, did you? Or if you did, you have no idea what you're looking at. Right. Um, Henry Ruggs is a extremely superior route runner to what John – John Ross wasn't even – they weren't even really asking John Ross to run routes. No. So it's hard to – that's, I think, where the Bengals got duped is they didn't really get a chance to see John Ross run that many routes. He was running nines, sevens, and screens. It was either run fast downfield or take ball, run fast downfield. Right. That's all it was. And I think, like I said, that's where Cincinnati got kind of duped is they figured, well, this guy will will be able to run routes. Wouldn't be the first time they've gotten duped on a guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, rugs. Like I said, the most impressive thing about Ruggs' tape to me when I watch it is he's always open even when he doesn't get the ball. There's too many guys open. Like, the amount of times in which he is not just, like, a little open, like, wide open, but so is Jerry Judy, and and Tua just throws it to Judy, is mind-boggling. Yeah, and it's not like Judy is slow. I mean, maybe he's not the blinding vertical speed guy, but he's got speed, and that's why I I take – Ruggs, Judy, and CeeDee Lamb, put them all together. And if one of those three is there at 15, fine. That's my guy. Period. I'm sad. I'm okay with any of them. I'm sad that Ruggs is going to get – he's going to get a big ball. But Jerry Judy, if he's there at 15, is a hell of a consolation prize. I I just don't (laughs) think he's going to be there either. I think think the highest chance of dropping is CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Just because he's not the – there's not one thing you can point to where you just say he is incredibly elite at this. Like, Ruggs is out of this world speed. Judy is out of this world route running. CD is 
fast. He's a great route runner. He's extremely smooth. He has great hands. He's great at jump balls. But there's nothing you say he is one of the best I've seen on tape at X, Y, or Z. Well, but sometimes, though, if you're pretty good across the board, that translates to great Oh, and in the aggregate. And don't take this as yeah. me knocking him right. because I think he's a fantastic player. He's going to be a great receiver in the NFL. But it's hard. It's just easier for teams to fall in love with one elite trait. Now, what about Denzel Mims? What is there not to like about him? But do you, would you like him enough at 15 if those three are gone? I, I go back to it. I, I don't know what there isn't to like about him. He's 4-3 okay. speed. He is a ferocious run blocker, which I know Zach Azani's going to love. Mm-hmm. He has great hands. Um, I, I, it's, it's the only reason you would say you no know at 15 is just because he's not as hyped up as the other guys, but he didn't have the quarterback play of a Henry Ruggs or a Jerry Judy or even a CD Lamb. But one thing I liked about him at the senior bowl was the fact that he got some tough balls as well. Like, He'll make catches in traffic. He's not just a speed and separation guy. If a defender's on him, he's still going to make a play on the ball and successfully come down with it. Yeah. His body – maybe that's what he's elite at. His body, body control. control is elite probably. Now, that's just not as sexy as speed and route running. But, well, body control and might be sexy in certain um, c- circles. But uh, – <laughs> I just think that that's the difference between those guys is he doesn't blow you away in one specific category, except for maybe body control. The way that he contorts to make catches mm-hmm. is spectacular. So – I, mean, I think Mims goes in the first round. It's just where he ends up falling. I don't if, want to take the fourth receiver on the board at 15. But at the same time, it's such a great year. I know. It's and just, we're going to ha- and whoever these first rounders end up being. Remember how we had the Dez versus DT debate mm-hmm. for a while? Well, all these first round receivers we're going to have this same debate for the next few years. I know. Which one is better? It just it just kind of hurts to take the fourth best player at a position when you're picking 15th. And and the debate and that's where the debate really starts. Who is the fourth best? Because we know that the top three are Judy Ruggs and Lamb. Well, Mims but, feels like it right now, but maybe that's a combine or overreaction. Uh, what's his face? I've already forgotten about him because his combine was so bad. Um, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. It's probably in round two. He really struggled at the combine. Everything everyone thought about him was turned on its head, pretty much. Um. So Mims that's where is you the go riser. Back. LaVisca yeah. is the big question mark mm-hmm. who has the highest ceiling of those guys. It's just this is where you start to toss up, and that's what concerns me. Well, it's funny because LaVisca, injury-wise, let's say he falls. Remember Eric Decker falling because he had a foot problem going into the 2010 draft. He ends up being picked in the third round. Another pretty good year for wide receivers that had a lot of depth that third round in particular was he had Eric Decker Emmanuel Sanders was in that mix as well so it may not be the worst thing for LaVisca and shoot I mean if you want to start living in a dream world what if the Broncos get a wide receiver with their first round pick and then turn around and get LaVisca in round three sadly enough for LaVisca I think it's a real possibility for him to fall into round three at this point um that would be incredible if the Broncos got, you know, Henry Ruggs and LaVisca Chenault. And by the way, four five nine 
at 223 pounds or whatever he weighed in at, maybe it was 221, is still absurd. Yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's not something you want running towards you. Yes. Um, and again, I don't think he ran even close to his capabilities. Now, maybe he's not a full second faster than, or tenth of a second faster than that, but maybe he is. But I would say this, the way he handled the injury, and you alluded to this, it, I'll compare it with my guy Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin who had a checkup after the Rose Bowl. They found some, you know, some stuff to clean up in the AC joint, and he said, fine, I'll get the surgery. Yeah, I won't be able to work out the combine or pro day, and it'll be mid-April until I'm right, but I'm going to get the surgery now, deal with it, and move on. And that way, I'll trust the film. Everything, I'll st- stand on everything I've done, and I'll be able to tell a team, look, I'm ready to go for OTAs. You can plug me in right away. That's the way about, to go about it. And you want to talk about trusting the film. That's what LaVisca should have been doing. Yes. I mean, he's a freak on film. The only thing that holds anyone back is his injuries, and I just feel like he made the whole thing worse. And that is not his fault. That is someone else's fault for giving him bad advice. All right, back to what started the LaVisca thing before we move on to the, the comments. If you were the Broncos and you still had the hole at running back and Jonathan Taylor were on the board and you liked him, would you jump to take him to keep him from being a chief? I don't think so. Um, I don't think – honestly, the Chiefs could add Derrick Henry and – I don't think that raises their ceiling all that much. I just think they are going to be a team who throws, 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 and it, it will be a nice compliment to what they do to have a good running back. But I really don't think a running back is going to raise their ceiling that much. It wouldn't, but at the same time, that offense was more efficient when it had Kareem Hunt. Definitely. And but even then, it's been it's been very good since they had to let go of Kareem Hunt, but its top level of efficiency was the 2018 season while they had Hunt in the lineup. I think, like, there are a few players who could make them way more dangerous. It's, like, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, uh, that type of guy. But, you know, even when they had Kareem Hunt, and Vance Joseph is not a genius by any stretch of the mind, but he said it back then. Every time they run the ball, he didn't say this directly, but he has insinuated it. Every time they run the ball, they're doing us a favor. Uh-huh. And so if they were to add Jonathan Taylor and they want to get him the ball 20 times a game because they drafted him in the first round, I think it makes their offense less potent. But it, but maybe five or six of those are passes Yeah, in the way they balance things. So, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about blocking them from – a uh, a running back. If they were somehow, you know, trying to trade up to draft Henry Ruggs, then I would be terrified because they already have too many, too much speed to cover. What if they trade for Christian McCaffrey? That would be scary. <laughs> really, really scary. And who knows if he could be on the market because it seems like everybody is for sale in Carolina right now. Yeah, it seems like that would be the one guy that wouldn't be, but there's no, there's no telling really. Everybody has a price. Everybody e- has every a price. Every commodity has a price. That's the David Tepper philosophy. Shout out to Breck Brew before we move on. Uh, the best beers in the world. They're damn good beers. You already know that. And uh, we enjoy them often. Very, very often. Um, they've got Strawberry Sky, Hot Peak, Avalanche, Colorado Core. Whatever it is, whatever type of beer you like, 
vanilla porter. They just dropped the nitro raspberry vanilla porter, which I cannot wait to try. They're always dropping new stuff, so always keep an eye out on their social media pages. Make sure you tag us and tag them whenever you have a Breck brew of your own. We love to see you guys enjoying the Breck brews. And also, some of you who are longtime listeners will remember this name, but we're back with In We Go, which is a really, really, really awesome service. It's a service that I, since we first partnered up with InWeGo, um, I've never stopped using it. You know, we've gone, uh, they usually like to be with us in the summer, but I use InWeGo year round. Um, I use it to go to CU football games, CU basketball games. I've seen Taylor Swift. I've done a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have done in the first place. Chicken Fight Fest, which is an incredible event. It's literally just wings from all around the city okay i'm glad that's not what i thought it might have been it is not actual chicken fights thank goodness yes uh it's that's illegal in most states yes this is testing wings from all around the city (laughs) which is probably my favorite event of the year um but you can sign up there's different levels of how many events you want to attend per month you'll you know how how much you like to get out and do stuff but the best thing is that if you use the code DNVR right now, you're going to get your first month free. And there's no reason for you not to at least try this out and see all the awesome events that they have available to you. Um, like I said, I've been using this service for, this will be my, I think, at least third straight year using it. So um, I really, really love In We Go, and I can't recommend it enough. And it's not only in Denver. They are um, all over the country now. So check and find out. Go to nbo.com. Find out if they're in your area. And th- that code works everywhere. So make sure you check it out. Let's go to the comments. Let's Let, hear from the people. And we appreciate everyone who chimed in today. We're going to start with Ball and Nick Cast. Hey, guys. The talk about tenders is interesting since there seem to be quite a few guys where you're on the bubble about. And by the way, it's funny you mentioned chicken and tenders. Chicken yes. tenders, and we all know that boneless wings are actually chicken tenders. Yes, at best. The way I look at it is which of these guys have proven they belong in the league? Wilkinson is a no-brainer. A utility O-line depth piece is huge, and keeping one who can play tackle in a pinch is well worth the $3 million. Since you weren't in on the conversation yesterday, RK, your thoughts on Elijah Wilkinson's second-round tender? you got to do it because you have to have depth. You know, and but they um, might see him as a viable starting right guard, and that's fine too. Um, and apparently they really do. Uh, I liked what Zach said is like, you can't count on him as the only backup tackle or your go-to backup tackle. I think in a perfect world you draft a tackle, mm-hmm. and Garrett Bowles becomes your backup tackle, and Elijah Wilkinson is behind him in terms of you know who you're going to. But I think it's 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 a small number. Three million in this league is not a lot. It's less than Billy Turner got last year. Right. And Billy Turner's resume, when he hit the market, is quite comparable to Elijah Wilkinson's resume. So, Elijah's athletic. He's only going to get better. He's still young. Um, The right move. Okay. Purcell is another guy you have to bring back. Considering how often D linemen get nicked up, it would be well worth it that Purcell, as a backup nose tackle, can also play early down defensive end snaps. Even if you sign a guy like DJ Reader, having Purcell on the team guarantees that you have a guy who can step in and play at a high level. I'd love to get him signed to a two- to three-year low-average deal if we could swing it. Got to keep Purcell, too. A no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you need a second-round tender him, but... 
you probably just do it because it's a million dollars and you don't have to worry about right. it. Right. Patrick, Bosby, and Jones are guys who haven't really proven themselves, in my opinion. And by the way, I responded to this in the comments as well. Tim Patrick, to clarify, he is exclusive rights this year, RFA next year. There okay. was a, a chart that I was reading yesterday that had Patrick as an RFA this year. He did not play enough in 2017 to qualify. So we're not having this discussion on Patrick till next year. He's locked in at his cost. That's well and done. Uh, Devontae Bosby and, and Joe Jones are guys we've talked about. And uh, Ball and Nick Cass says, I like the idea with Patrick and Bosby. Try to sign them to a longer-term deal now with some guarantees to make them bite. They won't be big names, but having Bosby as a cornerback 4 or 5 or Patrick as a wide receiver 4 or 5 gives you assurance when injuries hit. Where that came up, RK, is um, Aaron Brewer a few years ago. He was set to be a restricted free agent. But you see those tenders, even the original round tender, that's back then it was about, I think, 1.2, 1.3. Now it's $2 million. And so what the Broncos did is they actually signed Brewer to, I believe it was a three-year deal, but only the first year was guaranteed at a lower average value so they could have him for the, on, on the cap for less than the original round tender would have cost them yeah i listened to the podcast yesterday while i was on my flight home so um it makes sense to me for me bosby would have been the number one guy for me yeah me um, too that i wanted to tender but ahead of wilkinson for me yes but i don't for some reason vic never praised him he was always hard on him i just i think that vic does not value corner that high i think he thinks corners grow on trees and as long as you have a couple Decent ones with good safeties, you're fine. I think he also believes that Bryce Callahan is going to be 100%. Right. So you have Bryce Callahan, but if you don't have Bosby, you have what? Callahan. Because <laughs> yeah. you're not going to have Chris Harris Jr. Yeah. So Isaac Yadam. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Um, so to me, I loved the idea of keep Bosby, keep Callahan, obviously. Add in one more guy, whether even if it's Prince Mukamara, um, you don't you feel like you have a room there of guys who play who have played and have proven it at this level. Right now, you don't, and that's what scares me. But clearly, I just think Vic thinks we'll find we'll find another. We can get Prince Mukamara. Maybe we'll we'll sign Byron Jones. Maybe we'll find someone in the draft in the second or third round. I I just think that his. His feeling is you don't need these guys. And I think what's interesting is that last year, when they tried to ride, say, Devontae Harris for a bit, and he had a flash of brilliance, but then he got exposed pretty quickly. You look at that Minnesota game, for instance, and better depth at cornerback for all that uh, went askew in other areas, better depth at cornerback might have won he that game and might have prevented the Vikings from having that comeback in the second half, so... Question, with how he performed in the season, what are your thoughts on extending Alexander Johnson? If he has another excellent year, he's going to be much more expensive now than if you try to sign him next offseason. This is an interesting one because I'm not sure. I still haven't figured out what Vic thinks about linebackers. Um, Going into last draft, we obviously thought, oh, he needs his guy. He needs a linebacker of a certain caliber. And then they didn't even do anything. Um, So I really don't understand how he views it, um, I think he might think the same thing. Well, I can just find an Alexander Johnson anywhere. And he really didn't find him. He just happened to be there. He inherited Well, right, him. and yeah. that's what I think he means. I can create – you know, I think he thinks I can just create Alexander Johnsons. 
That's an interesting notion. Although because they tried, a, jo- they tried Josie Jewell, and he didn't do well in that role. Yeah. I, I will say Alexander Johnson definitely does not grow on trees, at least <laughs> as a physical specimen. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, statue rating, which is a thing that I invented, uh, of how much a guy looks like a statue, he's high. He ranks very high. Maybe the highest on the team. On to our friend, the Count, Count Locula. If all of the Broncos' top guys were gone at 15 and a team called and offered a 2021 first and third round pick outright for the pick, should they take it? Love the count. I read fourth. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he says. He corrected uh, himself in no. the response. No, you don't take that. I think it also depends what team. If Just, it, You don't need more picks. If it's the Panthers, that first might be like a top pick. <laughs> Okay, that yeah. Now I'm listening. But most but, yeah. teams, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I uh, I don't want more picks. Got plenty of picks. Next one's from Love Thunder Down Under. Howdy, how is the lie tracker going? I've been going pretty well, though I've had a few moments where I just bit my tongue and avoided answering, so not to even give a little lie. DNVR is making me a better human, probably offset by the rampant alcoholism of being a diehard Broncos fan, which DNVR has been a catalyst in. Uh oh. Well, there's also some pretty good beer down in Australia, but not damn good beer. No, not quite. Um, non-football question. Zach, it's been six years since I've run a marathon, but I'm thinking about doing another. I'd like to do a destination run, and I think I'd love to do one in Colorado. Are there any marathons you'd recommend running in Colorado? As beautiful as possible would be preferred. If I'm going to run for 42 kilometers, I'd prefer it not being through the Great Plains. <laughs> I... I'm sorry that Zach is not here to answer this because yes. I'm sure he would have an answer. So maybe you bring it back tomorrow. Um, the only run I can vouch for would be the Boulder Boulder, which is just a 5K, mm-hmm. I believe, um, which obviously is not a marathon. But more it's my a great speed race. than a marathon. Yes. Yeah. No. No running. No paying for running for me. That's a uh, that's a strict rule I have. I like to. <laughs> uh, my first Rockies game every year. I like to walk from Wash Park to Coors Field. That's your that's your marathon? Yes. I like it. And that's about um I think it's I think it's roughly about uh, seven and a half kilometers. What's a kilometer? Uh it's about <laughs> uh point five five of a mile. Okay, so three something miles. Yeah. Um yeah I walked like one point eight miles in downtown Nashville this weekend that that was a good uh, good haul for me. And there's some hills as well. Yeah, and, th- and that was in, like, boots and tight jeans. So <laughs> That's very Nashville. I mean, you just describe – you just fit right in. Yeah. You, I, you I, walk out there, and uh, it's like you've been living in Nashville the last 20 years. Yes. I actually forgot to pack jeans, which, I mean, what a <laughs> terrible thing to forget. Um, first time I've ever done that. So right when I got there, I was like, damn, I need to go to the store. So I went to the store, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I swear, like, they make the jeans different in Nashville. I got the same size I always get. Mm-hmm. They're just a little tighter. But then I looked in the mirror, and I was like, I feel like I got a good Nashville look going here. They like to flaunt it there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, he goes on, on to football. When you take into account one or two teams, cough Raiders, will pick an overvalued prospect, and there will be at least two quarterbacks, and, when you, and look at the top 15 on the board. I think, man, how can we miss? It almost seems impossible for one of the top offensive tackles or top wide receivers to not be there at 15. Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, Thomas, Wirfs. 
what does the world look like where one of these guys isn't at 15? It seems like to me, if they all go, we end up with an incredible talent like Kinlaw. Seems like a great board for us overall. And Kinlaw has just enough in terms of injury concerns and also with the Bucks looking at young quarterbacks to where he may be there at 15. The Bucks, I know, like Javon Kinlaw, but if the rumblings about the Bucks being in the Tom Brady, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater sweepstakes are true, they could still be in the market for a Jacob Easton at number 14, which could lead them to pass on Javon Kinlaw. And it certainly sounds like Jordan Love is only climbing. Yeah. Which, classic NFL. Uh, from Crabtree's Chain. Mace, you mentioned Aaron Brewer on today's podcast. I've always wondered what happened to him. Seemed like there was a lot of suspicion when he got cut. Didn't he get dismissed while on a team plane or something like that? No, no. There are some stories. I'll say that. I'll just say this. After winning Super Bowl 50, some guys had a really good time. He was one of them. Too good of a time. Yes. Just, just. Because you can have a great time, but you got to answer, you know, you got to. You know, be stay within certain parameters. Yeah, you, st- you gotta call. You gotta stay within the lines once you are going home the next day. Fair enough. So, from Brian, I officially want to say I am on the trade everything for Worf's train. Hashtag curse of Zane. Well, I love Worf's. If he's there at fifteen, even with the receivers, he's hard to turn down. Um, let me ask you this. If Wirfs is there at 15 and the Broncos take him, or if they trade up for him and get him, are you then trying to trade Garrett Bowles for a day three pick just to get him gone? Or are you uh, keeping him around as backup? The get him gone thing is not something I've thought about just because he's cost-controlled drink um, at a position that costs a lot. But it might it might be a team that says, oh, we, we value him. and uh, No more let's, picks. Let's say hypothetically you could get a – you could get a pick that becomes a stellar punter for Garrett Bowles. Would you take a punter for Garrett Bowles? A high-level punter. You already have enough picks to get a punter. Just no more picks. That's my rule. Consolidate. Do not expand your pick uh, portfolio. Or maybe you pick up a pick for 2021. Now maybe I'm more interested. <laughs> you really you really do not want a lot of picks at the they end. They have 12 picks. <laughs> What are we? They think they're going to have that. We still haven't gotten the the compensatory count yet. Even if they have eleven being held up or by ten, the CBA. it's too many picks. That you're going to be picking guys that you can't keep on the team. So just trade those picks, get more higher picks, so you get good players that will actually be on the team. Okay. Mile high, Mike. Is there any scenario where Denver should trade up from fifteen for an earlier pick? How would it have to play out where? Most would agree it was the right move. I have spoken. Well, hi, Mike. So the more I think about this, the the more I feel like you just don't. You just don't trade up. Um, unless you are just absolutely in love with one player. And it would be hard for us to find that out. But I'm talking about a guy like, you know, Henry Ruggs. And he falls to 11 and you're just saying, like, we cannot, I can't live in a world where he's not a part of our offense. And that's dangerous because there are so many other good players at his position. Again, I mean, you could say I have to have Henry Ruggs, but is that wise when Denzel Mims is sitting there? Did you see the video of Henry Ruggs playing high school in ba- high school basketball? Yes, I did. I, that, like, this might sound silly, 
that made me think he's like a can't miss prospect. The basketball video. Yes. Okay. I've th- that is a, because I think basketball highlights athleticism better than any other sport. We already know he can catch. We already know he can run. We knew he could jump, but seeing him fly through fly through the air on a basketball court just made me realize like this guy is a generational type athlete. I've never I don't know if we've seen a guy who runs a 42 something just fly around on a basketball court like that. It looked like he was playing a different game. Like, no one could even touch him. It was also against high schoolers, though. I know, but just the, that combination of, of speed and leaping ability on a basketball court was just a sight to be seen. It was. I don't I, – I just I – can't, I, I can't get too hyped about a video in another sport against a bunch of guys who largely didn't play the game after the high school level. I'm just a big fan of of well-rounded athletes and like seeing Drew Locke ball out made me more confident about him. It's just something about like do you have this the 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 combination of athletic traits that it takes to play multiple sports and like I said, I already knew he was fast. I already knew he could jump, but seeing it translate to a different sport it makes it just makes it pop out in a different way to me. You know what piques my interest in terms of athletic traits crossing over from sports is if you've got an offensive lineman who says, "Hey, I played soccer growing up." Footwork. Yeah. Those guys usually have excellent footwork. So, but I just I think that Henry Ruggs is a unicorn when it comes to mm-hmm. athletic ability. But anyways, I don't think they should trade up. There are too many good receivers. There's too many good everything. Right. And also, one of the most valuable things in this draft this year is picks from, like, selection 40 to selection 100 because this draft is so deep in a lot of spots. And the Broncos are sitting there with four selections in that range. I don't necessarily want them to sacrifice a lot of capital in that range in order to move up, say, from 15 to 12. Yeah. When there are a lot of guys there. Although, again, you have so many picks that if you have to give up a third and a fourth to move up and get a guy like Ruggs, if you absolutely love him, I can get behind that. I like using the fourth round picks to move up a few slots, say in round two, round three. Whatever. If there's a guy that's fallen. I like that a lot. I like it too. From Pig Tosser 66, gents, when thinking about what the first round pick is going to look like, it makes me think we got really lucky to be at pick 15 and not a pick later. Assuming five of the top 14 will consist of the three quarterbacks and everyone agrees will be uh, that everyone agrees will be gone and also Young and Okuda, we are guaranteed one of these 10 prospects. Becton, Wills, Wirfs, Thomas, Brown, Kinlaw, Simmons, Ruggs, Judy, Lamb. We couldn't have gotten any luckier. In my opinion, these are the rest of the elite players and it just so happens that there are three of the uh, there are three of our four greatest positions of need. I'm hoping we sign a CB one like Jones and free agency to take take care of the other. We can't lose. Rank these guys from one to ten to me. So excited for this draft, fellas! Thanks as always for the great content. We don't have to get into ranking these guys one to ten because it's really hard to rank against each other. My number one is easy though, Isaiah Simmons. Yes, uh, Simmons is the type of guy that I think. Um, Vic Fangio would say, like, he is Hall of Fame caliber. If I'm the Giants and Simmons is there at four, I'm not thinking about it. That's my pick. Yeah, I think you would add him 
to the guaranteed to go into the top 14. Um, mm-hmm. So now you've got six. You take out Simmons. And I think that's the end of the guys who are guaranteed mm-hmm. to go. Um, it's funny. I know my top guy and my bottom guy easily. My top guys uh, on this list was Simmons. My bottom guy is uh, Becton. So Becton is interesting. He, you know, um, it was Josh Jones who got the bump from the Senior Bowl. Becton is getting the bump from the Combine. I think neither of those guys are that um, enticing for me at fifteen. No, if Josh Jones is the guy you want, that's well and good. But try to trade down ten to twelve picks. Yeah, that's I'm a with fair that. spot. And and Becton, I'm just. The to, film on Becton doesn't compare technically with the film on Worfs and Thomas for yeah. me. Um, just to give my top, it would be Judy once you take out Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would probably go to Ruggs, sticking with wide receivers. And Derek Brown. Yeah, Derek Brown, yeah. another guy who could be there at 15 now because people are going to overthink it, which that could be exciting. All right, next one's from Mace's Burner account. I'm a little bummed I didn't know RK and Allie came to Nashville to watch my Preds lose to the Avs. I'm a musician here in town, and I would have loved to see y'all. Yeah, sorry. It was one of those things where normally I share my weekend plans on the, mm-hmm. on the podcast, but we um, did our last podcast on Thursday. Right. And it was we had so much to talk about that I just didn't even think about it, so I am sorry for not sharing. Um He said, I didn't mean to sound like I was coming at you about the whole Hawaii thing. I sometimes catch myself saying, especially. I feel like whoever I'm talking to just kind of lets it happen, but I know what I did. Unacceptable. Anyway, while we're at it, what are things, words, people butcher that are your biggest pet peeves? The misuse of literally. I probably get you on that one once in a while. It's okay. Um, All of mine I die a little every time because you're such a wordsmith. I know you know better. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but sometimes it's like it's um, it's like a curse word. Sometimes you don't need it in the sentence, but it 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 makes it a little more powerful. If I say, um, I'm trying to think of a of a, a way where this would be acceptable. If I say Nashville hot chicken was incredible, that it sounds good. If I say. Nashville hot chicken is literally the greatest dish in the entire world. Now my point, while it might not be literally true, now my point, you're, you're really understanding how good it was to me. Right, but I'm like, literally, wow. <laughs> what, did, what did it knock off the top line for yeah, you? Yeah, I hate when people do that to me. When they say, uh, like, when I say, um, what's a good example here? Like, so-and-so is, oh, oh, here was an example. I said, Corlin Sutton's catch is, is top five I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then AJ, who, like you, is a, would, you know, <laughs> defend something like this, said, okay, well, what are the other top four? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know that that one's as good as, is up there with the best I've ever seen. I do try to, to say, like, among the best and, and not put a number on it. Yeah. Did you ever hear uh, the Weird Al Yankovic? parody song word crimes based no. off of blurred lines no but that's funny you would appreciate it because it's all about like grammatical rules and so forth but there's a part that says 
Oh, but just now you said you literally couldn't get out of bed. That makes that really makes me want to literally smack a crowbar upside your stupid head. <laughs> Funny. It's I, a song. Yeah, you 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 get a kick out of it. I, all Even though of Weird Al pet, is completely nerdy. All of my pet peeves are in written form. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't think there's anything that people say that just grinds my gears. The one that probably gets me the most, and this is one that hasn't been publicized very much until recently, so people are still really screwing it up. Like I think people think about there, there, there mm-hmm. now before they do it. Your and your, I mean, people still get those wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think um, the average person now thinks about it because mm-hmm. it's been so harped on. The one that hasn't gotten enough publicity yet is a part mm-hmm. versus a part. Yes. That one drives me nuts because they literally mean the opposite thing. And I use right. literally correctly there. <laughs> um, one word apart means you are away from. Mm-hmm. Two words apart means, means you are a part, a, a part of. of it. You're there. You're connected to it. So when someone uses that incorrectly, I'm like, you just said the opposite of what you wanted to say. Well, it's the other thing. And now I'm going to go down the rabbit hole here. When you say you, you you mean to say you could not care less, but you say you could care less. Oh uh, yes. Another thing dropped by Weird Al in that song, that means you do care at least a little. Yes. And I I I call people out on that sometimes because it drives me crazy. The other one is when I see the word stick-to-itiveness. You hear it on broadcast. Sometimes you see it in print. No, that's not a word. The word is persistence. Mm. I heard someone, I've heard a few people recently use the word suede, but like, I can't explain it. I don't know how to explain it. They used it in the wrong way. And it, it was like, <laughs> they forgot to say, they meant to say persuade. Yeah. But they said suede and it, it was just weird. Anyway. Uh, for Mets Bronco 50, hey guys, since subscribing last week, you've killed it on football coverage. I haven't had any question, but random offseason questions I do have. You've approached and offered, you're approached and offered, wait for it, $75 million. But to get the money, you have to complete a sports task of your choice. One, catch and hold on to a pass over the middle with Steve Atwater coming in hot. We'll assume he's in his prime. Two, hit a 100 mile per hour fastball out of the infield. Three, score on an NBA Defensive Player of the Year, or four, return a serve from Serena Williams. Choose the one that you have some confidence in accomplishing. Okay, wow. Um, Those are all (laughs) nearly impossible. The only reason why I'm going to choose 100-mile-an-hour fastball is because you're telling me it's a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. So I know the time. I can get at least a a grasp on the timing of it and the fact that it's going to be down the middle. If you that's the but like a surf from, from Serena Williams, I mean that thing could be all over the place, and you could just be completely out of reach of it. I think you might end up. You have a chance to get lucky there, maybe. Exactly. Um, just you kind of stick out your your racket, and it bounces off oh, on and, the Serena serve. Yes. Or the, the the hundred mile per hour fastball. If you said maybe you get ten swings, I think you might have a chance to time it up. If you get one, I don't think so. Um, score on an NBA defensive player of the year. If they don't want to let you score, you aren't scoring unless you, I mean, again, luck, luck probably plays a factor here. You could probably jump backwards and throw a one handed fadeaway and score. Mm-hmm. The one you, you talked about knowing it's coming, which I think is a huge part of this. 
I think if I knew Steve Atwater was going to crush me, I could just kind of catch the ball and go into the fetal position and have a chance to hold on I'm to it. I'm just concerned about the pain. Yes, but I'm getting $75 million yeah. out of this. The pain will go away pretty quickly once I know that I've completed the catch. But that none of, none of these are very likely. Do I get to wear pads? Yeah, yeah, you're wearing pads. Full pads, full helmet, everything. Yep. So I can make myself basically into a knight in shining armor and The question the is like when does the contact occur? Because let's say the the pass is a little high, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, if it hits me right in the chest, like I said, and I can catch it in just fetal position, then I think I have a chance. We're, I'm trying to think. We're, maybe we assume this looks like a, a Jack Tatum coming across the middle back in the day and ball coming in and you know the chin strap flies off and the helmet flies off. And yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go reverse order here. The one that I think I have the least chance of is returning a serve from Serena Williams just because I've I've never played tennis more than just, like, smashing it around in someone's backyard. And there's more places for the ball to go. So so I, I, I feel like she would just smash it, at, and I'd have no chance to get out of reach. Whereas a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, I'm standing in the buyer's box, it's coming down. I'm, maybe I just time it right, and I turn into it. Um, so that's that's the hardest for me. 100-mile-per-hour fastball is the second hardest for me. I really – I just know that – if I'm getting one chance at this, I'm not going to be able to expect how fast that thing's going to be coming. Um, then score on an NBA Defensive Player of the Year because I do believe in my touch to be able to like get them going just maybe like one little jab step and then I just literally jump as far back as I can and throw it one-handed and just try and get lucky. Or you just turn and run back to midcourt and you try to heave it. Yeah, like <laughs> I think there's a little bit of, of potential luck that I could get there. And then – like I said, the Steve one, I mean, I think this one is going to be the definitely the most pain invoked. But if I get a, the perfect pass, I think I, I could pull it off. So who do you want throwing you the ball? Peyton. Okay. Just because I, he's not going to uh, rip it so hard that I'm not expecting it. What if I tell you that Paxton Lynch is going to throw the ball? Uh, I mean, get an ambulance ready. <laughs> <laughs> or Tim Tebow <laughs> Tucson Bronco Mario Hey fellas I heard Carolina's right guard Trey Turner is on the market And I want to know What his price may be And if he would be a fit For the Broncos He is a five time pro bowler In six seasons And is only 26 years old My only issue with him Is he only played 13 games In five of his six seasons I saw a tweet from Ben Albright Saying that The staff loves Elijah Wilkinson At right guard Why do the Broncos Love him so darn much Well They've loved him since day one, and this is kind of going to the uh, the scouting and personnel staff. I remember um, uh, back when I was covering the team uh, for the team website in 2017, and uh, I was I wrote a few nice things about Elijah Wilkinson in a camp report, and I was advised to kind of dial it down a little bit. Hmm. Oh, because they didn't want right. Didn't want the word getting out about him. They liked him and a lot. And he's played well at guard. Yeah. When asked. Yeah, tackle. It's a little of a struggle for him. Guard. He's a solid player. And and the truth is, the Broncos aren't going to be able to replace their entire offensive line. So they have to kind of fall in love with some guys at certain places. They don't have a choice. And offensive line now, it's interesting that we're kind of in the age of quick fixes and the need for guys to get up to speed because they have four years on their rookie deal when they're drafted or they have the fifth-year option if they're a first-round pick. 
But offensive line is still a position that sometimes you're not fully grasping until that fifth or sixth season. Yep. So. Iceman. Hey, friends. Broncos question for you, too. Miss RK. I'm back. But it is just two of us. With Pat Shermer setting the offensive scheme, does this put Booker back into the RBs mix with Freeman not fitting in? Could he make the game day 46 roster again? Go Denver, Dalton, Drew, Devontae, and DNVR. I think uh, Devontae or Theo Riddick, one of the two. And me, I've seen enough of Devontae Booker. Me too. I'd rather see Theo Riddick in there for a year. The Big Tabowski. Draft prospect with the highest floor? For me, it's Jerry Judy. I can see everyone crashing and burning but him. Broncos draft wish. Please don't let the Raiders draft Jerry Judy. That's a really good call there on Judy having the highest floor. I think worst case scenario, barring injury, is that he's an above average number two receiver. Worst case scenario. So yeah, he's and stu- I have a hard so time even imagining that. Right, so he's starting for you, and he's productive. Yep. The other guy I think worst case scenario is that level is Tristan Wirfs. Well, and we're not talking the top of the draft guys here. Because I can't really see a scenario in which uh, Chase Young isn't a good player. Right. Or um, we're accepting Isaiah Chase Simmons. Y- even. Right. We're accepting Chase Young. Just He's out of the mix, and that's it. He's going number two to somebody, right. I think. Even though Washington's doing the, the show of talking to quarterbacks right now. Of course. They're picking Chase Young. Yep. Next one from Denveria. He says, hey, guys, no question today, but maybe you guys reading this out loud helps me in really believing that I'm going to be a dad. Congratulations. That is so awesome, man. We're so happy for you. We just got the good news yesterday, and it does not seem real to me. I'm over the moon. We're still waiting to tell our friends, but I wanted to shout it out to this great community. A small contribution on expanding Broncos country in Germany. Love you guys. You're soon to be first-time dad, Denveria. And a bunch of people in the family mm-hmm. chimed in and congratulated him on this. And, and, man, we are so happy for you. Daddy Denverian in Deutschland. So there you go. <laughs> Three Ds. Congratulations, man. Appreciate it. Speaking of Ds, the Danimal. Guys, welcome home and great work in Indy. I'm not going to start making draft predictions or asking you to weigh in on my theories until after free agency. But I do have a bone to pick with the NFL over combine scheduling. I noted the other day that quite a few wide receivers predicted to run sub 4-4s failed to do so. And it can be argued that the NFL is wholly responsible for that. As soon as I heard the 40 and certain athletic events would air live in prime time, I felt for the athletes. Any sports science expert can tell you that athletes perform better early in the morning due to increased testosterone production in your sleep. Numbers decrease throughout the day, and when you add the exhaustion from the long days and increased cortisol production from the stress of always being observed and having to perform, these guys were not set up to perform at their peak. The scheduling wouldn't drop a 4-4 to a 4-5-5, but the highest levels, when a couple of hundredths of a second count, it makes a difference. Bottom line is, in my opinion, the combine is the one event they shouldn't schedule for the purpose of ratings. Those scores are the difference in possibly millions for these kids. Thus concludes my rant. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, Danimal. Couldn't disagree more. Uh, I understand where you're coming from on this, and, and it makes sense, but everyone's operating under the same conditions. So a hundredth of a second for one guy is also a hundredth of a second for another guy. But forget all of that. When are games played? Exactly. The games are played in the afternoon, and oftentimes the biggest games are played at night. And I'll, I'll even take this a step further, Mace. What is the point of all this? 
The oh. NFL. What is the point of the entire thing? It's entertainment. Exactly. It's, it's, they're not in the business of trying to, uh, unfortunately, they're not in the business of trying to do what's best for people because the truth is it's not all that good for you to play football in the first place, so they're not really interested in that at all. What they're interested in is in entertaining people, and people are entertained by the combine, and every decision they make will be made based off of how do we give people the most entertainment and make the most money off of those people. So I understand where you're coming from, and the science, I'm sure, backs you up, but in the end, they don't care at all. You know what's interesting, though, is that people are interested in the combine, yes, but on Saturday, the... XFL game going on at the same time as the Combine when it was on ABC drew nearly twice the audience of the Combine. Yeah. I mean, what does that say? I mean, that the Combine, it's a big event and a lot of people are interested in it, but you still have, but it still doesn't have the value of a live game, even one that's basically minor league, a minor league sport. Yeah. So, I, I want to get more into the, the ratings on the Combine and comparing them because it was, I wonder how the NFL feels about this. And I want to do a kind of, get get some numbers and do a cross-year uh, comparison uh, on the ratings because I'm not sure the NFL got the huge bump in audience for the Combine that it was hoping to by moving into prime time. Yeah, but again, you have to train people. Um, and even for me... It was odd to turn on the combine at night and watch those. You know, there was other stuff on. I was watching. Can't remember if I was watching the Avs or Nuggets. Right. But you know that that you know there's other stuff going on. The combine may well be one of those events that functions better as something that you have on your phone in the background at work when you got like the NFL Network stream while you're sitting at the office. Yep. During the day, then something where you come home and say, oh. Do I want to watch the Combine or do I want to watch a game? Like, for example, ESPN had an hour of Combine coverage to lead off its Thursday night uh, programming. But over on ESPN2, they aired Wisconsin-Michigan basketball. Mm-hmm. And that had more viewers yeah. than the Combine. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's mostly for die, true diehard football fans. Yeah. We're sports fans. So it's not as intriguing to us in prime time. It's actually more intriguing to us in the middle of the day because we're going to watch it right. over, you know, days of our lives or whatever the hell. So if on. you're a one sport fan and you're only an NFL fan, it probably has more appeal than to those of us who I think we're both in the same boat. We like basketball season for basketball. Right. Baseball season for baseball. And the truth is, I was pretty bored. I watched it. I wanted to see LaVisca run the 40. I was bored. It was boring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love football. I love seeing the numbers and comparing and contrasting. But actually watching the guys run, except for Henry Ruggs, that was exciting. Mm-hmm. But he didn't hit the number. I mean, you know, it mm-hmm. was – it's just not that – it's not that captivating to see, I at least for me. Would it be more captivating if they were running against each other? Hell yeah. And if the NFL ever really wants to take it to the next level, it would be like a series of competitions of – you know, two guys they doing the seed it and whatnot. Yeah, two guys doing the forty at the same time. Two guys doing the short shuttle at the same time. And that actually would probably help the numbers. Yes, if you see and you giving know. actual awards for guys who win, financial right. rewards. 
say the fastest man at the combine wins seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, kind of like that fastest man thing they did last that, year that Ocho Cinco tried to do. Yeah, yeah, but it, this one would actually get a lot more interest. <laughs> From Albino Reno, guys, this talk of you three, possibly more from DNVR running the 40, got me thinking. I want to invite you three to run the 40 and live stream slash record it. Maybe at CU with your ties and coaches who can time it. I want to challenge this community. Donate $5 to the World Tour and include your screen name and your guess of each of their times in the GoFundMe note. Uh, whoever gets the closest to the 100, I will buy a shirt. Or hat from the DNVR locker for them. This will hopefully help jumpstart the world tour, give us incredible content, watching the simulcast of Mace versus Rugs. And someone will win some swag. In the event of a tie, Allie runs the 40 as a tiebreaker. Thoughts, fellas? I, I, it's, a good, it's a good egg that it's, we can maybe expand from. I will say this. I think the dream of the world tour is dead. But that's okay. That was, pre, that was actually pre-Mace when yeah. we came up with the world tour. We wanted to... Uh, travel around to some of our more popular mm -hmm. listenership countries. So we tried to start a GoFundMe. Well, actually, Kale, before he even worked yeah. at DNVR, started, tried to start a GoFundMe, but it didn't get much We traction. may just have to tell everybody, guys, if you want to see us outside of Denver, you got to come to London. <laughs> the, way the, the way this is going. We should hear this week, by the way. Well, I think a officially. lot of our European followers would make it to London yes. for a game. So from Broncos fan in exile. Hey guys, long time. No comment. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on military Academy grads now being eligible for the NFL without the two year service requirement before playing Does Cole Christensen or Elijah Riley fit as a depth piece for the Broncos in the later rounds of the draft. It seems like West point team captains would be in line with the type of character players that this team is aiming for in the draft lately. Thanks for all the great work. You make my 30 mile commute. The highlight of my day. Wow, it, awesome. Admittedly, I haven't watched either of them all that much. Uh, You'd probably be thinking maybe undrafted for those guys. Yeah, I mean, you'd definitely love to have players like this. Personally, mm -hmm. I think it's great uh, that the players can go into the league. It's kind of weird. I don't, I don't want to get into the politics of it, mm -hmm. but this was something that was already in place. Yes. Then was revoked and was now reestablished. Which is why I don't offer a pat on the shoulder to the people who took it away and then reinstated it. Yeah. Could have just left well enough alone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but aside from all that, I think it's great. A lot of these guys um, have an incredible opportunity in front of them to um, to pave the way for not just you know their kids, but their kids' kids and beyond. And it would it will help the service academies as well. And these are programs that, when they're successful, they can be truly national teams and if uh, navy and air force and army can get a better caliber of player because they can go to guys and say look you can go to the nfl right away after this and they're more relevant programs i think it's really healthy for the sport of college football as well if uh, if those schools are competitive and playing at a higher level so i agree makes a lot of sense larry dang jr hey guys so here is my free agency wish list tell me what you think so i'm giving 16 million to jones Five years, $50 million guaranteed to him. I'll give four years, $32 million with $24 million guaranteed to Corey Littleton or Joe Schobert, whoever takes it. This one's sketchy. I don't know if either of them will take $8 million a year. If they won't, Dane Trevathan or Nigel Bradham for $7 million or less per year on a two-year contract. I'll give 
Four years, 32 million, 16 guaranteed to Thune or Shore for whoever takes it. I'd give two years, 7 mil, 4 guaranteed to Paul Richardson. I'd give three years, 15 mil, 8 guaranteed to Michael Pierce. Two years, 8 mil, 5 guaranteed to Michael Bennett. Two years, 10 mil, 7 guaranteed to Prince Amu Kamara. That comes out to 16 plus 8 plus 8 plus 3.5 plus 5 plus 4 plus 5 equals 49.5 million cap space. Leaves us at about 12.5 million after signing tenders and putting 10 million aside for draft picks. That's more than enough to extend Justin Simmons or tag him. If we need cap flexibility later, we can cut Jeff Hireman. Your thoughts? It all sounds good to me. Uh, I think that we might have shortchanged a couple of these players in the process. Yeah, you're not getting Schobert for 8 million a year. You might Probably get, 10. Yeah, you might get Corey Littleton for $8 million a year, and he's good in coverage. The problem is he's a liability in the run against game. the run. Yeah. And so, Schobert for $10 million, that was what came out from, uh, I believe it was Mary Kay Cabot. Um, Cabot? Cabot from Cleveland, yeah. I think she said that the Browns and, and him have agreed to mutually part ways because the Browns don't want to meet his $10 million price tag. And when I saw that, I was, my ears perked up. I'm like, 10 million. Do you think I'm five? Down. Yeah, do you think five million a year gets it done for Mukamara? Not quite. I don't think so. Probably six or seven. Yeah. Which seven million dollars for a corner is that's a good price. That's what you paid for Bryce Callahan last year. With the injury history. So I think I think you just There's some good ideas here. The the idea is in the right place. I just these guys are all out to get their money. Right. Now the other thing on a Scherf uh, brought up by uh, Larry Den, looks like that Washington is going to franchise Brandon Scherf. Okay. So that means Joe Thune becomes more expensive. Right. As top ta- as the top guard on the list. Samuel Bisu. Hey, guys, I love the combine coverage all around DMVR. You do a great job all year round. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. When you talk about Locke having the best half of the season when James was in the game, that combined with your intel from Indy, it only makes more sense to draft the best offensive tackle available at 15. Locke had an excellent sack rate, but imagine what this offense could do with a good line. I think at wide receiver two, they can draft it in the second round because they already have a wide receiver one. I think fans should be target number two. I don't think the Broncos will sign Byron Jones. I think they will go for two cornerbacks and not just one. I think they will go for Kendall Floor and Logan Ryan, also Mukamara. That Sounds good to me. That pair with Callahan will make a very impressive group. If people haven't subscribed yet, you will miss the best time to be a subscriber when the Broncos sign any free agents. The guys write an article or two for each free agent. On top of that, Andre writes a film room for every free agent, too, and this goes as well for every draft pick the Broncos make. No one comes close to the effort and the content these guys will have, so subscribe now. I guarantee it'll be money well spent. Well, thank you for the endorsement, and I will say... When the Broncos start adding players to the roster is when we truly shine. And that mm. we've never had Mace on, on the team for that. So It'll be fun. This is gonna be really fun. From Minnesota Paul. Hey boys, just one oh, real quick, he had a question. D- does it make with our intel, does it make more sense to get a tackle? I think if one of the top tackles are on the board, the answer is yes. What if it's uh, one of the top tackles on the board and Henry Ruggs is on the board? Um, personally, I would get greedy and go with the sexy pick and take rugs, but I'm not, uh, I, I'll say I'm not going to complain. If you nail the offensive tackle pick, then I'm not going to complain. The problem is, is it's going to be hard when the, your new starting left tackle goes through some rookie bumps in the road, which are all tackles do. 
and all in and rugs is out there you know running by people for 100 yard games um but in the end you do eventually you have to get yourself a left tackle multiple people we talked to at the combine said the biggest problem with the broncos is garrett bulls so you got to address it and if you do it at the expense of a little bit of sex appeal well you got to do it you can find speed not henry rugg speed but you can find speed elsewhere in the I'm draft. Sh- I'm sure that everyone can hear my internal struggle here. Yeah. I, I, when, when given the chance, I'm going to talk about Henry Ruggs or whoever else because that's exciting to me. It's not exciting to draft the left tackle, but I do understand why it is necessary. Okay. What's your favorite meal? A lot of good options here, but the first thing that came to my mind was sushi. Okay. You got sushi, but you've... You've been behind on your fruits and veggies. You need you need a plate of beans and kale and so forth, health-wise. Your doctor has said, RK, you need more vegetables. You want sushi, but you need more vegetables. The offensive tackle is the vegetable pick. Or I just have health. a nice ahi tuna salad, <laughs> and I get the best of both worlds. <laughs> Like, What's the draft equivalent of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a left tackle who can catch passes. <laughs> the draft equivalent of that is finding a way to get another first-round pick. Yeah, exactly. And then you can have both. Or it's just a tight end in between a tackle and a wide receiver. <laughs> All um, right. Minnesota Paul. Hey, boys, just want to check in and see how your liar points are going. I'll be honest. I I have done a terrible job of uh, of tracking that. That's me. Not getting a liar point for saying I haven't been tracking it. You weren't on that pod, but did no. Zach fill you in? No, I need to learn about this. Okay, well, we were trying to decide if what makes someone a liar. And we said, telling one lie, does that make someone a liar? Like, if, um, if you actually have a place in mind that you want to eat and your girlfriend asks you, Hey, where do you want to go to eat tonight? And you say, I don't care wherever you want. I don't, like, is that a, are you a liar? We decided, no, that doesn't make you a liar. We created a point system. That makes you flexible. Okay. We created a point system that, um, that delegates certain points to certain lies. And we said like the one that I just described, that's a one point lie. Um, a three point lie would be something like calling in sick to work when you aren't sick. I'm, I'm blanking on what the two-point lie was. But but what constituted a one-point lie was a victimless lie, whereas like... A no white one, lie, remember? No, yes, no one is being impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Three In like a three-point lie, like you're putting your work in a bad spot because you're being kind of selfish. We said you get three points per week. No, sorry. I can't remember if it was per week or per month. Um, but we are supposed to track ourselves, and I, I haven't been tracking. Okay. All right, that's fair. So, sorry, Minnesota Paul. Anyways, he says, I, I listened <laughs> to the pod on the way to pick up the engagement ring I gave to my girlfriend and now fiancé hey, later Friday night. Congratulations. Let's go. Congrats. In an effort to keep it a surprise until the right moment, I found myself at a total of negative 10 on Thursday and Friday alone. Of course, afterwards, I came clean on all my lies. Does that factor into the liar score at all? Yes, I'd say that uh, if you confess 
to the lies, you at least get half the points back, if not all. So if you had ten white lies to keep the secret of the of the engagement ring, this would take you down to minus five. Right, but that's still bad for a month. But, this but is, see, you know what? This has there have to be. You can't exceptions. be a liar. For this tr- is yes. an exception. Yes, because even at negative five, you are on the liar threshold. So I say you you. Uh, Especially since you came clean, you're you are wiped clean. You are safe. Anyways, he says it's a ways out, but can I get the DNVR locker added to my wedding registry? A hundred percent. We That'd can be wonderful. Figure that out somehow. Yeah, yeah. Rob, hi guys. Let's live in a weird hypothetical world where the top five offensive tackles and top three wide receivers are gone by pick fifteen. What's the Broncos' backup plan? Corner, guard, inside linebacker. What do you think happens in this scenario? Okay, so eight of the first 15 picks have been offensive tackles and wide receivers. And then you figure quarterbacks take up at least another three. At least two, I would say. Because maybe someone in here passed on a quarterback to do. Mm -hmm. So we're up to 10 of the top 15 picks are off the board, and you still have Chase Chase Young, Young, Isaiah Simmons, Simmons, Derek Brown, Brown, Javon Kinlaw. Kinlaw. So... Technically, that could still get you to fourteen. If all of those were gone, you, you are uh, you're pretty upset. Denzel Mims is a nice consolation prize. Yeah, or Becton. Do you call Becton a top five offensive tackle? Oh, right, he is top five. Right. So. So yeah. Um, you figure I, the top five tackles they'd be Thomas, Werfs, Wills, Becton. Jones. Yeah. Thomas Thomas Werfs, Wills, Beckton Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess at that point you just take the next wide receiver. Or I don't know, do you take a running back? Like what not running back there. It's too early for interior line. I saw one mock draft that had Kenneth Murray, the inside linebacker from Oklahoma. But it was interesting because that mock had the Broncos taking Murray with rugs still on the board, and I'm thinking, there's no way that happens. Mm-mm. Based on what we've learned, yeah, no that, chance in hell that happens. Yeah, that's a weird scenario there. From Dan, trade up for rugs. Burke, Mace, what do you think of Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette as a prospect? I'm very intrigued by him, and I think he's a great fit for what we expect Shermer likes in alignment. Great combo of size, athleticism, and power. The Broncos had a formal visit with him, so there may be some genuine interest there. In my mind, they draft him in round three. He either redshirts a year or competes with Wilkinson at right guard, and then is the starting right tackle in 2021 if, when, they move on from James. Probably in the minority here, but I don't see the Broncos addressing O-line with any sort of urgency this offseason, and I'm comfortable with that. We can see them looking at some interior guys and developmental tackles on day two and three, but that's the route they're going. Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson, both from Louisiana Lafayette, and Dotson did not get invited to the combine, but he was really strong down at the Shrine game practices. I'd be happy with either of them about uh, late round three on to round four and round five. Okay. Uh, next one is from Bronco Duck. Obviously, it's tough to have a prediction before free agency, but I think with how everyone is testing in Indy, the tackles might go a little earlier than I originally thought. There's going to be a great wide receiver for us to pick at 15. Overall, my thought on the draft is I trust Fangio on defense and I trust Munchak along the offensive line. Whoever we draft on defense or offensive line, I know they were drafted with that coach's seal of approval. I love having such respected coaches on our staff. My question to you is this. Do you think the Broncos will draft more wide receivers or offensive linemen in the draft this year? I think it'll be even, two and two. I think it'll be even as well 
if you're saying, okay, which one has a better chance of being more, you'd say offensive line because that's where the developmental day three tackle, you take a flyer like on a uber-athletic but raw player like Alex Taylor from South Carolina State who needs to put on about 20 or 30 pounds. He's sitting there in the sixth round. Why not? Fair enough. So that's why a, a guy who you would draft but has have no intention of playing in year one. That's why I would guess more alignment in the end. L.A. Bronco. Mace, you had me laughing at my desk at work before clocking in, listening to your response to my comment about Drew being in Buzz Lightyear Spanish mode. <laughs> I immediately pictured him dancing and then Dalton Reisner coming up behind him and using his karate chop mode to keep edge rushers away. If each starting Broncos was a Toy Story character, who would they be? I think Vaughn, hands down, has to be Woody, and Alexander is Rex, of course. Is Shelby Harris Mr. Potato Head? Is Garrett Bowles Lotso Huggin' Bear? Weigh in with your thoughts. That's a good one for for Bowles. Jeez. Or he'd be like kind of the, the big baby in Toy Story 3. Oh, God. Just kind of indiscriminately uh, picking up and throwing people around. Right. Um, Man, that's a tough one. Who's Slinky? Who's the slinky dog? Slinky. So it's got to be someone who's kind of uh, long. Cortland Sutton, maybe? Yeah, that's, that was my first thought. Who are the three uh, aliens? Three aliens. They're they're helpful. They're kind of crafty. They're. Would that be the three of the three four? So you've got the uh, the defensive line there. Maybe. Or maybe it's. Your kicker, punter, and long snapper. Oh, uh, nah, that's much better. <laughs> yeah. So it's McManus, Wadman, and Kreider. Yep. Hopefully Wadman gets taken by the claw. <laughs> Brent, <laughs> Brent G. G. <laughs> My guys, I'm about a week behind on pods because I got a promotion and it's been a bit stressful slash hashtag, pardon me, slight flex, hashtag slight stress. Congratulations, by the way. Anyway, I had to get in on this worst roommate debate with a story. I attended CSU Pueblo for a semester while trying to walk onto the baseball team. I was randomly paired with a very awkward but nice guy in the dorms. I'd obviously never met him, and he happened to have a mostly deaf girlfriend who was always with him, including every night. Anyways, apparently when you are mostly oh, deaf, Lord you above. do not realize when you moan during nighttime activities. And I developed the habit of sleeping with rain sounds and a pillow over my head in order to drown out the noises of coitus. Long story short, I needed Tommy John's and I didn't did not stay for another semester for a lot of reasons. LOL. Unlike my short stay in Pueblo, I cannot wait for the climax of the draft. I see what you did there and to see who the Broncos come away with. Much love. Good Lord. You know what? There are just some things where you have to be courteous and not do that when you've got a roommate. Not do. I'm sorry. It's so it it's mm. so selfish in my yes. opinion. From True Champ Fan 24, guys, a week or so before the Senior Bowl, I had mentioned that I'd love to get Denzel Mims on this team, and it seemed like a collective eh from both this pod and the draft pod. Over the course yeah. of the last couple of weeks, it seems like Mims is starting to gain some traction around the country. So let me ask this again. Would you like if we came away with Mims in the second as the first wideout we take? I'm thinking tackle in the first, Mims in the second. Also, Mets, Bronco, 50, get out of here with the Cats take. You know as well as I, every other Montana native, that the Grizz are the better team. Love y'all. I actually went back and rewatched Denzel Mims at the Senior Bowl this past weekend. I'd be more than okay with him in the second round. Is he there? Though? Like now, unfortunately, we've, yeah. got, we've jumped – 
over it. We've even talked on this pod about him being someone who could be an option at 15. So Legitimately. if you got Werfs and Mims, yeah, call that a big win. Mm-hmm. Just ice hold the water. Hey, guys, I hope uh, all is well and you guys are enjoying the start to your week. What is the best possible lineup for the O-line? What is the worst and best additions for the big guys up front? Are there any possible way that the group of guys can go worst to best next year? Thanks, guys. Enjoy some Strava Craft coffee today because I definitely will need some very soon. Worst to best, probably a stretch. Uh, worst to top ten. Maybe. Well, yeah, you probably have to add a veteran, though. and That's – Jawan James is perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you add a tackle in free agency – or, sorry, a guard in free agency. Um, Patrick Morris is a great center. Dalton Reisner, obviously, all as well. And then you draft Werfs, and he's a slam dunk. So, realistically, I would say now with Wilkinson being – Likely. Likely to be the right guard – it's a question now. I could see them of what happens at center. Is it Patrick Morris? I could see a scenario where they pick an interior lineman in round two, say Cesar Ruiz, or even round three, Cesar Ruiz, Lloyd Cushenberry, or Tyler Biotish, and think, okay, he's either going to start at center or right guard. Some of that's going to depend on him. Some of that's going to depend on Elijah and Patrick Morris. I like it. And then your tackle, the best case scenario to improve the offensive line is the tackle going at pick 15. Yep. And maybe the best case scenario for all around is tackle at 15, wide receiver round two, Biotish after the AC joint surgery slipping to round three. That might be the best mix that allows you to – solve the most problems does that make any sense yeah it makes a lot of sense uh from Ooh benny lava hey all i left this on a pod a bit ago but i think the draft boys must have missed it so here's a repost sup brothers uh hope the combine was dope i've been catching up on the pod and i've been predisposed with my first mardi gras living in new orleans holy crap guys it gets wild down here people literally died which is very sad but this is how inebriated people go for their parades and stuff crazy I was just listening to a pod from a week ago about the topic of being woken up by strange things, and I have a story. Also, Ryan, I'm sure somebody has said this, but if they haven't, that state of semi-consciousness that exists between the sleep world and the real world is called sleep paralysis, and it's terrifying. I have plenty of those stories, too. Here's my story. My girlfriend and I would always sleep with Netflix on, so inevitably in the night, I would wake up and turn the TV off. One such night, I woke up, grabbed the TV remote uh, from my right, and leaned up to turn the TV off. As I lay back down to go to sleep, in my perifs, I see a lady sitting a sitting bolt upright on my left, uh, peering out into the newly completely dark room. I'm expecting to hear her say something when she does, and I nudge her and say, babe, what's up? She slowly, without taking her eyes off the empty, dark void of the room, raises her finger and points to the corner while saying, who's that? I immediately t- uh, tear my gaze to where she's pointing and say, who's who? Who's who? Because all I could see was darkness. When she doesn't say anything in response, uh, a chance in response, I glance her way and she's laying back down dead asleep. Needless to say, I was terrified and didn't sleep the rest of the night. <laughs> That's how I found out she's a sleep talker. Sorry about the long one, but thought you might like that story. Love y'all. That's uh, terrifying. You know, I actually got awakened by a nightmare this morning. But it's really lame. Um... Last night, Shane Green of the Atlanta Braves 
gave up uh, three hits, had a walk, four earned runs. Braves blew a spring training game. And I had a dream that they, in spite of his spring training struggles, they kept throwing him out there when the games counted, and he gave up like a five spot in the eighth inning of a game in the first week of the season, and the Braves went from one run up to losing by five. And I woke up like, ah! That's a baseball nerd dream right there. That is definitely a baseball nerd dream. Carpaccio Chris says he started following, following Johnny Bolin on Instagram, and he asks, what is this guy on? I don't know, and I just hope that whatever's going on, maybe he's just weird. That's what I like to hope. I just, In my heart, I just hope that he's just weird. His dog is adorable. His dog is absolutely Let's accentuate adorable. the positive. His dog is a... A, a Blenheim Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and is just looks amazing. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, from R.D. Dollywall, Mace, Netflix is coming up with a new He-Man series called Masters of the Universe Revelation. Some notable actors are Mark Hamill as Skeletor, Lena Hadley, Game of Thrones as Eva Lynn, Chris Wood as He-Man. Who was your favorite character from this show? Who was your favorite character from the show when you were a kid? And would you watch the new show when it comes out? Orko. The, the little kind of guy that uh, didn't really have the face but had the, the wizard hat and kind of floated around. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it was the Masters of the Universe cartoon back in the 80s. Okay. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Very 80s. Sounds good. Yeah. From Welsh Broncos 170. Hey, guys, amazing content. Thanks for all you do. I hope to maybe catch up with you guys in London. We would love that. Only a quick post. I've been playing around with a draft simulator. I'd like your opinion on this outcome. First, Jonathan Taylor. Second, Kenneth Murray trade with the Jags. Second, Lloyd Cushenberry. Third, Brandon Ayuk. Third, Rashad Lawrence. Thanks, guys. Welsh Broncos. Too good to be true. Yeah. That's how all of those things are. I know. I don't know. Like what? I don't know what the other teams ever get because it's impossible for me to have a bad draft. Yeah. From. I want to find. I want to do it and come up with a bad draft just once. I want it to give me a draft that's just a lemon. Right. First three rounds. That's what I want to have. Just to test it. From Bleed Orange Brew. When an analyst says that a quarterback can make all the throws, what does he mean by that? For example, Joe Burrow's arm strength is an elite, but he can make all the throws. Thanks for keeping things fun and laughable. It doesn't – it just means – there's so many routes in the route tree, and a quarterback being able to make all the throws means that he can make all those throws with proficiency into tight windows and that sort of thing. And one throw that I think is a good test is the kind of the 20 to 25 yard out near the sideline because that's a test of do you have enough arm strength? Maybe you're not – Jay Cutler or John Elway, but do you have enough to make that throw and it's on a rope and uh, if the receiver has just a scintilla of separation, he can make that play near the sideline. I remember watching Carson Wentz when he was at North Dakota State seeing him make a throw on a raw day. I also remember Tim Tebow at the Senior Bowl trying to make that throw and two-hopping it. And that's when I knew that there was going to be a problem with him as a pro quarterback. Yeah, I saw Daniel Jones get intercepted on that throw twice Mm -hmm. last year, and that was a red flag for me. Trevor Simeon had a lot of trouble with that. Yep. From Pop Lock and Drop It. Hey, guys, I just saw a mock draft on NFL Network that put Justin Herbert all the way down to the Patriots at 23. I don't think this would happen, but that's not really what scared me. What scared me was the nightmare scenario where Herbert drops to 15 and Elway goes bonkers and picks him. I would lose it if they did this, but how much can we really trust John's endorsement of Locke at the Combine? How disastrous would this scenario be? They're not doing that. Now, they might have Justin Herbert as their quarterback one because they evaluate every position, no matter what their needs are. 
but they're not doing that. Even if they did, I, I wow, it would frustrate me. I don't think it's some sort of worst-case scenario, especially mm-hmm. if Herbert turns out to be good and you have two very good quarterbacks. And we talked before we knew more about Drew Locke, before we saw enough to where we could say, hey, Drew Locke's got 20-20 and he could be the guy. When we were speculating about what Drew Locke would be, we were talking about the notion of, hey, having two young quarterbacks. Now I think, like I've said, we've seen enough from Drew Locke to where you hand 2020 to him and see where he goes in this season. I'm so excited for next season. I'm so excited to watch a good quarterback for 16 games. There's hope. There's progress. There's, There's a forward direction. It just felt like with Joe Flacco... It was a spin-the-wheels move. You weren't going in a forward direction. John always said it. He said, now we're at the fun part where we get to build around mm-hmm. Drew, and that excites me. And the fact that he said build around, mm-hmm. that also tells you what they think. Last one here from Locked In. We should extend Lindsey and A.J. Johnson this offseason so we can get them for cheaper if we, than if we wait. We could save at least $8 million if we re-sign Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons last offseason. Wouldn't want to make the same mistakes. They've We've been said making these million. mistakes for years, and they're not changing it. They're never changing that, yeah. as, it's, as it appears. They just, they're a wait-and-see type of group, I guess. Yeah. Maybe they always think that guys are going to have a down year in their last year, and they're going to be able to save money in that way. Or that guys get fat and happy when they get the contract. That's possible, too. Well, before we sign off, I want to give a couple shout-outs here. Uh, one is to Denver Rubber Company, which we love so much. Denver Rubber Company is your go-to for anything rubber. Um, hopefully, we're out of the uh, out of the woods on the snow, but we can never guarantee anything in Colorado. So if you have any snowplow needs, you want to check out Denver Rubber Company. Custom die-cut gaskets, hoses, whatever you may need. And also, make sure you hit up Green Mountain Dental Group. When you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, they're going to hook you up with a Sonicare toothbrush. Your teeth will never feel as good as they did after you brush with a Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure you check out our partners there. We love them. You love them. We love you. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.